Rejoice. Alegrense. Gaudete. That is ultimately the theme for today. Yet as the days get shorter and shorter, less and less light, and now we have snow too, we can really feel the winter. And even in this winter, we have rose-colored vestments, right? Not pink, but rose-colored vestments. And so therefore, we can say we have roses in the winter. I'm going to tell a story about how roses found in the midst of winter brought the light of Christ to the Americas and how that same light can shine in any darkness we experience. I'm going to start this morning in the year 1492. Much has happened in history before then, but we're familiar past least with the story which happened in 1492 with Christopher Columbus. Now, there's a bit more to the story. See, Christopher Columbus kept a logbook which he addressed to the king and queen of Spain, recording things as he was going. And many parts of that book we still have copies of. And in that, Columbus tells the king and queen of Spain how he knew about the travels of somebody else named Marco Polo, who 200 years before had gone to the far east, what they called India, but really uh, we know now is the Chinese empire. And Columbus knew that Marco had met the great Khan, one of the rulers there. And he writes in the log about how the Khan wanted the Pope <laughs> to send people to China to share about the faith. Columbus, in his log, laments that since the Pope didn't do so, many souls were lost. And so he had this desire to take up this mission and was grateful for the king and queen of Spain for sponsoring his trip. Except Columbus wasn't going to go east, he was going to go west to get there. His travels would be marked many, many times by the protection of the Blessed Mother. Columbus decided to name his flagship the Santa Maria, the Saint Mary. And as he set off, he followed the coasts of Africa. And, and on September 8th, which is the Feast of Mary's birth, that's when he decided to head west to start his route. And the wind that day began to blow. They finally reached land on October 12th. That day, which we call Columbus Day, was actually meant something different, very special for, Colum for Columbus and his crew. October 12th was the feast day of Our Lady of the Pillar. That was the national holiday, the national feast day for Spain. 
And it comes with a story about St. James and how St. James went to Spain to spread the gospel. And Mary appeared to James on a pillar and said, build a church there on that spot. And, and that the people of Spain, they would be converted and they would spread the faith to the ends of the earth. So that day meant all of that. And that's when he lands. He lands on an island in the Bahamas. He named it San Salvador, Holy Savior. But on the way back from that first voyage, Columbus and his crew encountered a really bad storm. And this is in his log. And they decided that if they make it through, he would go to a certain shrine to Our Lady in Spain. Not Our Lady of the Pillar, but a shrine called Guadalupe, in the town of Guadalupe, Spain, in the province of Castile. This is all, this all is going to come together. And so, yes, they did make it through this storm, and in Thanksgiving, Christopher went to this shrine in Guadalupe, Spain. He would make three trips in total, and one of the islands he discovered, and he would actually, he named Guadalupe. Okay, so far, so good. Christopher and Columbus, in his log, really seems to have good intentions. But, of course, we know not everybody involved did. And especially not those who came uh, with greed, right? And secondly, we know that disease spread very quickly to the peoples of this land, right? These new diseases, the new, these new germs, there wasn't much knowledge you worked out yet about how to deal with that, how to avoid that, how to avoid epidemics. And because of that, entire tribes, entire groups of peoples were wiped out. And then, on top of that, in comes Cortez in 1521. Cortez would eventually, he's coming from Spain, he would, he would eventually go to the main city of the Aztec Empire called Tenochtitlan. Now, Tenochtitlan was also the center of religious worship. And a huge part of their worship, like a huge part of their worship to these pagan gods and goddesses involved giving humans in sacrifice on the th levels of thousands. And these lives were demanded from the area tribes around them. And they heavily oppressed the surrounding groups of peoples. And, and really many people joined Cortez to, to conquer the Aztecs. But Cortez, in some ways, ended up being worse. So just all in all, a lot of darkness in that spot. And not the greatest place to be. In the end, after a lot of violence, the human sacrifices were stopped, and the city was conquered, and Mexico City was established. Shortly after that, in 1522, Franciscan missionaries arrived in small numbers, and they came to bring the gospel into this new land. Although they had a great struggle, it wasn't working very well. There wasn't a great experience to begin with of the Spaniards, and now here is something new, right? And, but due to the poverty in which these Franciscans lived and in which they preached the gospel did indeed take root. And then, the first to be converted, to, wel to be welcomed into the Christian faith, 
to be baptized and receive the Eucharist and all this was Juan Diego and his wife, Maria Lucia. Those were their Christian names. So this Aztec man becomes a Christian, and he became a serious Christian, Juan did, going to Mass every Saturday and Sunday that it was offered. He had to walk a very long way from his home to get to the the mission where the Mass was happening. On one Saturday morning, December 9th, 1531, now we're 10 years after Cortes conquered the Aztecs, he's walking to Mass and a young woman appears to him. And she says, Dear little son, I love you. I want you to know who I am. I am the Virgin Mary. Mother of the one true God, of him who gives life. I desire that there be built a church in this place where I want to make him known and give him to all people through my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection. And so she asks Juan to go to the bishop and request that this church be built on this place. It was actually a hill called Tepeyac. That's where she appeared to him. And he goes to the bishop, and they don't let him meet with the bishop. And so he goes back to Our Lady, who who appears to him a second time. And he he tells her, send somebody else. I don't have the authority to do this kind of a thing. Pick somebody else. And she says to him, my dear little son, there are many people I could choose to send, but you are the one I have chosen. And so Juan goes back to the bishop, and he's able to meet with him this time. And the bishop thinks about it and and says, well, I'm going to need a sign from this lady. I'm going going to need a sign from the Blessed Mother, if it is truly her, to build this church. So Juan goes back again on his route, and Our Lady appears to him, and she says to him, my little son, do not fear. The bishop will have his sign. Come back to this place tomorrow. Now, when Juan returned returned home, he decided, yeah, he's going to go back uh, the next day. But when he returned home, he found that his uncle was suffering from a very bad disease, most likely one of those diseases that had come across the seas. And so he stayed home instead of going back for the next message, for for the sign. He stayed for two days and cared for his uncle and eventually left the home to go look for a priest to come and give the last rites to his uncle. But when he was walking along the way, now this was December 12th, Our Lady appeared to him once more. And listen to these words of comfort. She says, Hear me and understand well, my little son, that nothing should frighten or grieve you. Let not your heart be disturbed. Do not fear that sickness, nor any other sickness or anguish. Am I not here who is your mother? Are you not under my protection? Am I not your health? Are you not happily within my fold? What else do you wish? Do not grieve or be disturbed by anything. Quite a great message for Gaudete Sunday. 
Now, on that hillside, it was freezing. Okay, it was middle of winter. It was actually December 12th. Historians know that it was the winter solstice, which is the, the shortest day of the year. So, dark, you know, light was going away up till then, and, and after that, light will increase. And in the winter, on top of that hill, Our Lady tells Juan to go cut flowers. There shouldn't be flowers sprouting, blooming on top of this hill in winter. And so Juan goes up there and he finds not just any flowers, but in full bloom, he finds Castilian flowers, Castilian roses, to be precise. And now these roses really only grew within the province of their namesake in Castile, in Spain. And this province is also where that bishop was from. And so as Juan gathered these roses in his cloak and he brought them to the bishop, the bishop was in awe. And those there went down on their knees, convinced of Juan's truthfulness and of the message and presence of Our Lady. And even more, when Juan opened his cloak, they saw that upon it was miraculously imprinted the image of that woman Juan met. Of a woman with a bit darker skin, clothed in Aztec traditional clothing, radiating light, with her feet standing upon a crescent moon and a band around her waist indicating that she was with child. And you know what? If you've ever seen this, this image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, whose feast day we celebrated yesterday as a, as a church, you know what? She, in this image, is dancing. She is rejoicing. Why would she be rejoicing? Because she knows that her son is going to bring many people to himself through this message and image. She's rejoicing because belief in her son was about to be born in the hearts of millions. In Spanish, the word for to give birth is dar la luz, which literally means to give light. The light of Christ was going to enter in in a magnificent way. So the bishop did build that chapel, and Juan actually lived right next to it in a little hut, showing any pilgrims that came this image of his cloak. These people came to pray with all their concerns, their worries. Within seven years of the apparition, nine million people entered the church. And this happened even when on the other side of the world, millions of people were being drawn away in the Great Reformation. Great light was born into the Americas through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is what they called her, and whose feast day, again, we celebrated. And she was declared by St. John Paul II the patroness of the Americas. As the years go on in this country, I really do think that her importance under this title is going to be growing more and more and more. And so as Catholics, we need to know this story. 
because we're here in the Americas and made Mary as our mother. And we, in turn, can give testimony to the light that entered in in such a magnificent way. John the Baptist, finally to close, John the Baptist came to testify to the light, the light of the eternal word which took on flesh. With John, our eyes are drawn to look at the light coming into the world very, very soon in the form of this tiny baby king to be born in Bethlehem. This incredible light coming in the most tender, vulnerable way for all of us, for you and for me personally, he comes to be a great king, a merciful king, with a most noble and loving mother. And so I end by urging you, if there is any darkness, or in the words of Isaiah, if there is any imprisonment, brokenheartedness in you today, take heart. Rejoice, for we have a Father in heaven who loves us and gave his only Son to be born into this world by a son, by a mother, rather, who cares for us. Let us therefore turn to our mother, who leads us to her son. Let us ask for her prayers for us, that the light of Christ may be born more fully into our hearts this Christmas.